I mean, <laughs> and good afternoon, it's 1 p.m. on the 17th of September 2020, up early this morning, son and I made some scrambled eggs together, <clears throat> nice and buttery, six, uh, six eggs, split that, that was something he wanted to do, so I made sure that he helped me with it so that in the future he can do it in his damn self. <coughs> All right. We're not raising wimps. We really uh, want these kids to be able to fend for themselves. And as mentioned the other day, yesterday I guess, my, my daughter is really, she's really self-sufficient. She can, she knows how everything works and the basics of how she's got a, a, a keen interest on how things work. So I try to teach her lessons however I possibly can. What did she say the other day? She said she's covering Egyptology. <coughs> and I said, oh, that's going to be really interesting. She, she seemed underwhelmed initially. As I dropped some knowledge, I said, oh, Egyptology is awesome, honey. You know, I should have pulled out an image. It was... Uh, Pharaoh Ramses that was mummified and they showed the mummified image and then they showed like AI and artificial intelligence a reproduction of what he would actually look like today so it's pretty neat and then my son was telling me something about science he took some science classes and was kind of like oh I don't know they were talking about this that and the other thing and I, I added some information to it to provide perspective and to demonstrate how it was applicable to everyday life or something. And, damn, I can't remember what, what that was about now. But anyway, opportunities to interact with the kids. <clears throat> Usually very late at the end of a, a long work day. And they've been schooling all day. And they're just like, oh, fucking, oh, I gotta do some science stuff. Oh, we did some Egypt. And it's actually cool, interesting stuff. It really interests me what gets people going. Like, how do people develop an interest in things? How some people don't seem to be interested at all. Like, what are you interested in? Okay, video games? All right. I got to admit, they're pretty cool. Played a few in my day. But how about things that, let's say, somebody is spoon-feeding you? You're taking a class on history and you cover Egypt. Why is that cool? I don't know if we have to watch uh, whatever that movie was with The Rock. The Mummy, I guess it was called. Or something like that that can illustrate, vividly illustrate, you know, the Egyptians and that civilization. And I've mentioned, I've talked about these things in the past. Like, what really makes somebody tick? And how, like yesterday, we were discussing how in retirement, people, they just, well, we, my buddy said, he's like, hey, just sit around. <laughs> or the guy that I asked, hey, you got any, oh, you've been retired? What kind of hobbies you got? And he had a dig. He's like, well, uh, I take pictures and I, I scan them and for family photos. That's awesome, bro. And I'm glad I asked you that. That's a pretty neat thing to do, genealogy. I think sometimes people don't appreciate 
all the cool things that they have going and they're, that they're interested in. They take it for granted, maybe. This is what I do. As if they should be, they're going to be judged necessarily on what their interests are. Maybe it's something a little bit eccentric or I collect stones. All right, well, maybe you say that to somebody and they'd be like, fucking stones, what do you mean? Well, to me, that's interesting. I think it's cool. Tell me more about it, you know? <clears throat> a little bit uh, phlegmy right now. I took a nap. I taught my morning course. And then I friggin' went immediately upstairs and took a nap. About a two and a half hour nap. And for good measure, I laid in bed just looking at my phone and catching up on some of the communications that have come in. Emails and texts. Facebook messages. So now I feel well rested or I anticipate that I'm going to be heading into the office for a 2 p.m. start. Going to be a busy afternoon. There was a story that I encountered yesterday that I wanted to uh, share with you. It's kind of funny. Maybe you can imagine somebody in your life like this. So my good friend uh, Scott, we'll call him Scott. It's not his name. But good friend of mine, I've known him for years, and I know his brother and his family and such. So I saw Scott yesterday. No, I saw his family member yesterday, as his brother, and I said, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? How you feeling? Okay, you know, give him a good adjustment. And I said, Hey, how's everybody doing? You know, how's the family? Uh, how's Scott? Talk to him. Because Scott's a regular talking point. Just an interesting dude. Funny guy. Very quirky. Lovable. And he said, Yeah, Scott's doing well. He's doing really well. Uh, got a promotion at work. Family's good. And he kind of shakes his head. He goes, But his days, they're always the worst. <laughs> and... He was saying this, uh, you know, being facetious, because Scott's the type of guy when you say, oh, yeah, oh, man, really tired today, or really busy day, just, you know, can't can't get to some of these things that I really want to do, I've been meaning to do this, but just always work, and, you know, all this, that, and the other things. We all have things to complain about, right? And, of course, it when you get somebody talking, people like to, they like to kibitz, and they like to hear that other people also have things to complain about. This is kind of like the way we, you know, do things. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like if we were cave people or something, or nomads. Oh, man, I was out on the plains this past week, and we were chasing the herds and uh, trying to get some crops. There's nothing out there, man. Really not a lot of um, buffalo out on the plains. Not a lot of crops this time of year. I feel like the world's going to end or something. I ran to a bear and you know, well, Scott's the type of guy where he's going to one-up you. Like, he's got to tell you. You had a bad day or something like that. Scott's going to tell you exactly what a bad day is, right? So, in his brother saying to me, oh, his day is always the worst. He adds a punctuation to it by saying that, uh, <clears throat> he's got an Apple Watch. And I guess you can track your 
your activity, your steps and all that, and you can see what people in your circle or whatever, what kind of activity they have had. And he's looking at Scott's activity, and Scott took like 1,500 steps that day. And meanwhile, his brother had taken like 18 or 20,000. And not that steps or physical activity necessarily correlates with how hard your day was, but there's been a lot of activity in Scott's brother's day and not so much in his day. But Scott's still talking about how things are so terrible and it just it's just a thing that he does. It's like a one-upper, you know, somebody in your life, oh, yeah, well, we went down to the beach and uh, we go to this beach and uh, uh, waves were perfect and it was perfect temperature and... We, our favorite restaurant was open, and we had such a great time. Oh, well, we go down to, you know, Dewey Beach, Delaware, and, and it's, oh, our restaurants are really good, and we like to go to this beach, and they let your dogs on. You know what I mean? Like, there's fucking one-uppers. Anyway, perhaps you know somebody like that. I thought it was funny. Finally, I want to address a, a question uh, from the audience here. It's about uh, profanity, cursing which I do a lot of, sometimes, you know, depends, you know, or the content, I mentioned last night that there's a content and the tone, and and when I first started doing the podcast in 2017, 2018-ish, I was, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I know what's out there, and I'm trying to do my best to really put on a good show. You know, on that note, I just saw an image not too long ago where there's a, a peacock, and the peacock sets up a camera, and um, and then walks over to where the picture is going to be taken, and walks back, adjusts the camera, and comes all the way back and steps out there like it's gonna it's gonna go on auto, uh, it's gonna snap a photo by on automatic, and then runs back, gets in place in the third frame, and spreads all the all the feathers. So that's kind of what I was doing, and that's what people do with their vanity photos and shit. Like, this is the side that I want you to see. I see that all the time. And my students, they take these crazy vanity photos where they look like, you know, obviously you want to put your best face forward, but holy shit. Talk about embellishment. You don't look anything like that. And so my podcast, to start, I think they were genuine, but I was trying too hard to do some, to, to provide a, um, in my opinion, I wanted to do a good show. I wanted, I wanted it to be like, to hit all these high points and tell all these stories and all that. And at some point I just became tired of that facade. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to, this is who I am. You know, it's, let's go navigate the day to day. Let's go freestyle a little bit and see what happens. Because when you really are yourself, I mean, isn't isn't that interesting about you? Or you feel like you you always have to you know, put on some other show, a facade, and that's really not you. So I want you to know if you're listening, this is really who I am. You can tell because I jump into the truck and you can hear me accelerate and decelerate and catch me in the uh, in the act of barking at somebody in traffic or or if I'm tired or phlegmy, you can hear that, or if I'm aggravated or happy or feeling funny on a particular day, it comes out, so that's a type of art, and that's that's real, so 
profanity. Where does that come in? So I think a lot, a lot of my profanity, I guess it's, uh, I, enjoy, I do enjoy it. I enjoy language in general. Okay, so I enjoy big words. I remember when I was a kid, I used to flip open the dictionary or one time I had this job, might have mentioned, you might have heard my mention about the security job I worked when I got out of the Marine Corps. And if I didn't have homework to do, I would open up dictionaries or um, or uh, encyclopedias and learn new things and just, just open a random page and scan for an interesting word. And so I did that a lot. And I came across one stays with me, which is terrible, but it's it's telling. It's a, the word is, I open to C, and the word is catamite. Well, catamite is a freaking terrible word, or simple word. It stands for a terrible uh, situation. It is a, catamite is a boy kept for purposes of perversion. So this is like the depictions of uh, ancient wherever, ancient Rome or ancient... Um, medieval times or something like that where you've got uh, typically it's a clergy it's a priest or something like that that's always got all these younglings around there you know, that help out, they light the candles and they blow out the candles and they you know, help do the sacraments and they do all kinds of shit so that's a catamite well, how fucking tar- horrible is that that there's actually a a name for this pedophilia that uh, was common or uncommon enough to be depicted back in those times. You'll see it in all those Roman, um, ancient Rome sort of time frame movies where um, there are these prominent uh, theologians and, and scholars and stuff like that. They've always got a bunch of younglings hanging around them, scumbags. <clears throat> so it's a disgusting word or an unknown word that stands for something disgusting, but is real. It's a thing. It was a thing. And here we are in 2020, and you still hear about this sort of shit. But I flipped open a page on the loading dock of this insurance company, and I, you know, stretched my finger over that word and said, what the hell is that, a catamite? And told my boss, and he's like, holy shit, that's freaking terrible, man. So, yeah, it is. So... I like different words. I like language. I've always had uh, an ability to speak and to write. I think I get this from my mother, perhaps my father, but my mother is a very well-written person. Uh, Janice Oberst, if, if she's ever got to write a letter, if you need somebody to like arbitrate on your behalf, holy shit, man. She should have been a lawyer because she's really, really good at communicating and verbally and written and getting what she wants and and she can be mean as a snake too. So, so I'm a I'm a good communicator. I can write and I can I can read well and I can speak pretty well. And those are good skills to have. I've also been around a little bit, you know, not too much, but I you know I grew up in the Pine Barrens and did little boy stuff. So we'd go out, we'd go fishing, we'd go hunting, we'd go trapping, we. Uh, swim in the lakes, we beat each other up, chase the ice cream man or lady or, you know, and, and so I obviously, you know, I 
heard stories and jokes and all that crap from my dad and grandparents and so on and so forth. But they weren't profane people. Nobody in my life growing up, my family was profane until I met some folks who spoke more liberally like this, you know. And back then, even in the 80s, it seemed like people were were really still, they were really still practicing like the old Catholic, big Catholic community. I'm Roman Catholic by birth. So there was none of that. There was no, if you, if you cursed, it was so infrequent that it had emphasis. Like if you heard dad, you know, trying to fix something, it was like the kids, the, the father from Christmas story, where can't fix the furnace, all of a sudden just crazy words start coming out, horrible sacrilegious words, and all the kids are like, oh my God. Mom is like, shut your ears, kids. <clears throat> that sort of stuff. So didn't have too much cursing growing up, and then I became a teenager and hung out with my buddies, and all we did was curse and make sick jokes and chase girls and drink beer and all that stuff. So plenty of language used around the keg parties. But really, I think my profanity, and I like to punctuate, I don't like to be go overkill with it, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I will... Uh, you know, speak in liberal, profane tongues. Liberally in profane tongues, not like the political liberal. But I do a lot of it. And uh, you never want to be... Because it should be punctuation, in my view. It should be something that you... You know, you use to prove a point, or you use it for emphasis, like... A, exclamation point rather than a period if you're going to use punctuation. Uh, you do it with em- real strong emphasis, right? Power, fiery, whatever. But if you do it too much and it just gets old and you're like, all right, why am I even I'm beating a dead horse with this? <clears throat> when I joined the Marine Corps, that's where a lot of this really took hold because... As a United States Marine, you know, you're doing some pretty tough work. You're doing a tough job. It's grisly work, uh, meaning that it is... I'm at the office now. It's, it's grisly hard, dirty work. And just like Dad trying to fix the furnace. <clears throat> when you're out there in a fighting hole or you're digging a fighting hole, or you are at the range and you're not shooting well, or you're doing hand-to-hand combat and somebody kicks you in the nuts, or you know, you're in the, the uh, um, barracks room with your three roommates and spaces at a premium and you don't happen to enjoy each other's company or you're mad at each other for some reason, somebody's a pig, well, they're not a pig. They're a fucking pig. You know, so... <clears throat> it's a very uh, Lord of the Flies sort of environment where a lot of the niceties of society are stripped away. Okay? So all the clean kind of round edges, square corners, that's gone in this sort of setting. Because, and, and as I like to describe, nothing is sacred in a Marine Corps rifle platoon, it is like, um, 
what they depicted and, and worse in uh, Full Metal Jacket or uh, A Few Good Men. Like, it's serious, serious business. Ultra-testosterone, driven work, um, hard, dirty, risky, and I like I always say, if you, uh, you know, if you had a picture of your family up there and your sister was hot, everybody was going to talk about they wanted to screw her. Can you take me home, Jones? Uh, uh, or if, um, um, if you had a big nose or a little dick, somebody was going to tell you about that. In fact, that would probably be your nickname, you know. We've all seen depictions of this and no characters that that's what that's how it was like you know somebody uh, who I don't know <clears throat> somebody who had a lazy eye I don't know a wandering eye would you you have a nickname for him or there was a kid with a scar on his face as I uh, an earlier story that I've told he was doing a little self-deprecation as he had to do his entire life and say hey yeah yeah call me Scarface everybody calls me Scarface and so my platoon sergeant called him Benthead. Hey, I think he wants to be called Scarface, but I would, I would recommend a better nickname. What do you think of Benthead? And so these are the type of people that I was around. And, man, they're funny as shit. They're cruel. Uh, very little of it was genuinely meant to hurt anybody. But it was just a very unique environment. And a friend of mine who was a Vietnam vet saw some all kinds of crazy shit. He... I told a story about some of these very things and, uh, and about what he described as gallows humor. And that's what we do in, in the military, particularly in the most uh, demanding branches of, in the combat arms. Gallows humor because, you know, you, you got to be tough or you could die or you have to kill somebody that you might not even be worthy of it. So it's a really ugly business and it's not always... Uh, you know, contrary to what the recruiting posters tell you, or what uh, you know America would have would believe, it's not always just. It's just that you have a mission and you have to accomplish the mission. So, war is hell and horrible things occur. And you read books about it and you learn the history and you're trained by people who've been to war, and you're training for the contingency of battle and how to kill and how to survive and how to suffer and be able to hack it, keep going, you know. So it's, it's a tough environment, and it makes people assume a certain dialect, a certain vernacular. That is, we talk a certain way, we walk a certain way. When we have to, after a few beers, <clears throat> we're going to tell stories. And just like my previous mention of the one-upmanship of my buddy who always had the worst day. Nobody could possibly have a worse day than him. Everybody's somebody. Everybody's always got a better story. Well, we went to 29 Palms. It was 300 degrees, and we got bit by scorpions, and we did this. And when we uh, jumped out of that helicopter and rappelled to the top of the flight deck, you know, I fell down on my ass, and this big fat guy fell on top of me. Or, you know, I shot 250 on the rifle range, and, oh, I, I shot 300. You know what I mean? So it's a um, pecking order thing. And it's kind of it's the way we talked. And, and some of the funniest, most entertaining, the most real stories that I know 
that are truth or fiction involves some kind of profanity. And so it's something that warms you up. If you're out in a, a training area or in some foreign country and you're sitting in a hole in the dirt with a rifle and you are tired and sweaty and you're missing home and you regret joining the military in the first place, you got a guy next to you who's going to tell you a story and you guys just got to make the best of it. So you laugh and you curse and you you start, um, you know, it's a, the whole band of brothers thing. That's what you did. And so that colors a lot of what I do. And there was a mention, uh, my friend said, uh, wow, you know, this is my experience with growing eye. And I, you know, forbidden to curse in my house. And if we did, you know, there would be consequences. And <clears throat> so some people carry that with them and, and, they will reel, like if you say, you drop an F-bomb or even something a little bit more mild, you'll see them like, oh, I can't believe you said that, or, you know, and that's fine, you know, it's a completely normal reaction, I think, for someone who, you know, just doesn't use that language, but if you think about it, how this is just an expression, um, you know, they have, for instance, that uh, stereotype, that expression, uh, he talks like a sailor. I mean, I know when some naval, some female Navy personnel, Marine Corps personnel who are just as rugged and raw, if not worse than, than their male counterparts. So, but a lot of it is very fraternal. The way we talk and the way we act and the way, what we would have to do in one of the most difficult situations that a human being could ever wind up in, which is uh, most stressful situations would be hand-to-hand combat, you know, life-or-death situations. And so a lot of the shit goes out the window. Gallows humor, ha, ha, ha. You know, if you could die tomorrow, then you're going to act like you're going to live today. So all the little, the filters and stuff that we have go out the window. And so I try to strip away any of the stuff. If I'm really being real, I, I do curse a lot. Um, of course, I know when to turn it on and turn it off, right? I know my audience typically. But when I'm telling a story or being genuine about the day and, and my experiences, there's some, um, it's a little rough around the edges. And so that's just kind of who I am. But I respect anybody who, who thinks differently. You know, some there's some really uh, successful, uh, storied individuals like a Jocko Willink or something. Check out the Jocko podcast. He, you'll never hear him curse. And he was a SEAL, Navy SEAL captain or commander. Or just, he did everything. Badass. And he never curses. So maybe... He figures that there's there's so much of that in the SEAL teams and in the military that it's overplayed, and that it's um, there's a niche for not cursing, and I respect that. I think that that's there's wisdom in that because maybe somebody would miss your message because they were focusing so much on the profanity or shocked by it, you know. But I think he's an anomaly more often in. Uh, 
military circles or first responder circles or <clears throat> I don't know at the football tailgate you find a lot of people dropping F-bombs and just the way it is and there's so much to be offended over these days that geez some verbiage especially if it's meant in a benign sense to punctuate a, a sentence or a paragraph then uh, I think it's I think it's passable but I respect anybody who feels differently just the way I speak everybody have a great day Huh! <laughs>